right, everybody, welcome into another episode of the Ethos Celtics podcast. I am your host today, Patrick Lounsbury, also with my co-host, Lucas Gaynor. How are you guys doing today? Lucas, how's it going, man? Two games out of the way and a KG ceremony. How are we feeling today? Yeah, I can't lie, Patrick. You know, it's a lot going on right now between college basketball and March Madness starting, NFL free agency opening. And like you said, you know, NBA basketball in full swing. And on top of that, we had KG's jersey retirement. So it's a lot going on, Patrick, but I'm good. Uh, wish we could have won the Mavericks game, but all in all, you know, I think the ceremony was very nice and we got a solid win against the Pistons. And the Mavs, uh, the Mavs loss is not nothing to be too worried about. So I'm all right. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. This uh, NFL free agency's kind of got my head in the spin as well. You know, we're we're fans of many sports. We don't just cover the Boston Celtics, but uh, we 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 are left definitely uh, watching that Celtics game against Detroit. And first and foremost, before we even talk about the Celtics in that game, can we just say that like Kate Cunningham is really really freaking good at basketball. Like this this dude is. The way he dissects defenses and pushes the pace, he always seems to put his his body in like the best position uh, to help his team succeed. And uh, he's just a joy to watch, man. I'm excited to watch some more Cade Cunningham over the years of no, uh, him is, in the East. Yeah, oh yeah, Cade is on a different level as a rookie right now. I mean, the way he plays, so in control of himself. You know, he kind of has that playmaking a la Luca a jumper handles, like you said, he can, you know, really use his body very well Has a good mid range can get to the hoop, play pretty good defense. And honestly, the game he had against Tatum, I mean, and the Celtics, like that was not a normal rookie game. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for going pretty much toe to toe with Tatum, but Tatum just had a little more in the bag at the end of the game than Kate. Yeah, man. Tatum is just, I know he, he had a little bit more struggle against the Mavericks, but man, Tatum was really good in that uh, game against Detroit, especially down the stretch. He just, when he's really feeling it, there's no shot that's too difficult for Jason Tatum. He gets into that tier of like the Kevin Durant, the Luka and Steph Curry's uh, of the game where it's just like, Hey man, I'm a superstar, but while I'm a superstar that's in a zone, it's I'm, I'm going to show that I'm on a different tier of, of my own. Oh yeah. I mean, there's like you said, there's pretty much no shot. Hard, too hard for Tatum to take and make. I mean, you know, we've talked about it a million times. 6'10 shot maker. I mean, he can make shots from the outside when he's driving to the hoop. You know, he's extra effective, but he can hit the mid-range, the fadeaway, the post-fade, pretty much anything you want Tatum can give you. And we've definitely seen, you know, his entire bag the last 20-odd games, you know, especially the last 10 games, he's been absolutely killing it. So continued that streak against the Pistons. And like you mentioned, slowed down maybe just a little bit against the Mavericks, but the Mavericks are actually one of the better defensive teams in the league. Um, Jason Kidd has some plans of pretty good defense down there, so that's to be expected. You know, didn't expect him to average 40 points a game for the rest of the season, but, uh, you know, it felt like it was possible there for, for a week. Yeah, and as far as, like, terms of, like, record this year, like, you kind of look at the Mavericks and you're like, wow, Mavericks Celtics are kind of having a similar record season, so – that's kind of like the the Western Conference version of us right now. They're they're making a strong push, trying to be higher in their standings. While we're also in, in the battle of that as well. We're recording this on Monday night as well, which is after the Joel Embiid and Jokic game, which the Sixers end up losing. So the Celtics still with remain a striking distance from the Sixers as they they try to climb into that conference and overall overtake Philly, who they're only a game back. You know, like that's. 
It would have been nice if we got that Dallas win because we'd be tied right now for our division, but which is also the third seed. But we just got to get. Yep, definitely looking better is in terms of the playoff picture, you know, than a couple months ago. And uh, yeah, I'm hoping we can play one of those weaker teams. Definitely, you know, Patrick, you know, we've talked about this on the show and off the show. Climbing up in the standings is all good till we're facing, you know, we're the two seed and we face the Nets in the first round fully healthy. So hopefully we can, you know, I don't really like losing games and stuff on purpose or throwing games in order to uh, get a more favorable matchup. But I do just hope that it works out in the way that we get to play a team like uh, Cleveland or Chicago or even my even Miami really somehow. But I doubt Miami happens given the way the uh, standings are right now. But just a, a team that's not Milwaukee or the Nets for me, really. Yeah, honestly, I want to avoid Milwaukee. Milwaukee's kind of – they're kind of scary right now, to be honest, man. And as long as we, we stay away from those seven and eight seeds, we really don't have to worry about it. Like, if we get into that third spot, third spot actually might be ideal. Like, third seed is, like, best-case scenario for us, or fourth. Yeah, stay away from the plane. If we hit that three seed, we don't really have to worry about the Nets jumping up to six most likely in the last 15 games of the season. So I definitely think uh, I do like three or four because then we get home court, but we're definitely not facing uh, either of the juggernauts really in my opinion. Like I'll even take Philly too because I don't think that Embiid and Harden are going to get the same calls they're getting now in the in the playoffs. So Yeah, I think maybe also a best case scenario for us as far as the people around us is maybe if that Brooklyn team stays at – gets into like that seventh seed and then you get Milwaukee at the second seed and it's just like, Oh, seventh and second go out here. Like, a, could you imagine a Brooklyn Milwaukee first round matchup? That would be like That's ideal. ideal. Honestly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like get one of these big juggernauts out, out the way. Right. <laughs> That's That's awesome. And then, uh, I just wonder who the, and then hopefully we get the heat and the, uh, I want the heat and the Raptors because, I know you talked about not wanting to play the Raptors. They're a pretty nasty team when it comes to defense. They play hard. Yeah, you're going to wear them out. Yeah. And, uh, and I think they could definitely, if not even beat the Heat, I think they could definitely make the Heat's life miserable for six, seven games and, you know, make it easier on whoever has to play them in the next. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be an interesting race to the finish, but uh, let's, let's jump into this Detroit game, man. Uh, Celtics came out. Play with some good pace and uh, ultimately end up getting the W against Detroit. But Detroit, man, they just have our number as far as playing us tough this year. Every matchup against them this season has just been, I feel like, a really, uh, you know, physical, aggressive game from them. Even when they didn't have Cade, you know, times they didn't have Jeremy Grant. Like this team, this team's really, really solid as far as their effort goes. And they're kind of nerve wracking to, to know that we got to face these guys over the next like few seasons, especially with uh Kate Cunningham being there and developing. And, you know, they're going to come in and bring another guy alongside of them in this next draft class. So it, uh, Detroit might be up on the, might be up on the up and up right now. Yeah. Um, like you said, you know, this team is only going to be growing, you know, like in years to come and smart set of post game. I mean, um, this team is a lot better than their record shows. I think they have lost, you know, a good amount of close games, but they're also just a young team who's dealt with a lot of injuries. You know, Cade was out of the lineup for a while there um, and such. And then also I got to shout out Marvin Bagley too. I mean, he was really playing like a number two pick with 20 and 11 or 20 and 10 against the Celtics. He looked quite good. Um, 
And same thing with Jeremy Gray. You know, feels like he he always has a pretty good game against us. He had 20 in this game. Um, and, you know, those are really the three guys, uh, Cade, Jeremy Grant, and uh, Marvin Bagley that carried the scoring load. Also, Sadiq Bay feels like he takes these matchups personally against us because we didn't draft him or something like that. Uh, he is quite a good player, winning player. So, like you said, you know, these guys are only getting better, and uh, it's going to be scary to face them. But uh, I have a question, Patrick. I have a little bit of a trivia of my own. We'll maybe switch oh. it up. All right. So, in the fourth quarter, how long do you think it took the Pistons to score their first basket? Four minutes and 24 seconds. Well, one more guess. Am I way off or way over? You're under. I'm under. Less you you've guessed less minutes than the actual time. Damn. Okay, I'm gonna go. It's five forty-five. Okay, this literally sounds unreal, but I just went through the play-by-play to make sure I had it right. Eleven minutes and twenty-nine seconds. They did not make a field goal until there was thirty seconds left in the game. Oh. They they had some free throws throughout the quarter. They only ended up scoring 12 points in the quarter. But uh, Sadiq Bey made a layup with 30 seconds left, and then Luca Garza made a jump shot with three seconds left. And the defense just really turned on to an insane degree in that fourth quarter. The Celtics did not have a big lead. I don't think they led by more than seven until they went on that run to start the fourth quarter. So uh, just a phenomenal defensive performance really down the stretch in that fourth quarter, only allowing the Pistons to shoot some free throws up until the 30-second mark in the fourth quarter. just It literally doesn't seem real. I had to go through the play-by-play to double-check to make sure. Damn, that's actually insane. Uh, I I remember them locking up in that fourth quarter and really holding it down after – I felt like they were kind of like just not trying as much in those first few quarters. I don't know. I just feel like they've been kind of a little bit less on the energy side of things in in the beginning of games so far. But that fourth quarter, yeah, they locked them down, holding them with only 13 points in the total quarter. Coming away with that one fourteen one hundred three victory, but but I mean something to also like point out is the Celtics only scored twenty two in that fourth quarter as well. It wasn't like they went around and like ran away with it as well. So you know, I just hope that uh, they were able to really turn this around. No, oh, yeah, definitely needed the defense to step up because the offense was not uh was not like overpowering there in that fourth quarter. Like you said, only twenty two points. Uh, you know, we got a good game from Tatum. Uh, Smart also had quite a good game scoring the ball, you know, contributing 20 points in this game, continuing his terrific play. Um, But outside of that, I mean, Jalen was 8 of 22, which was solid, you know, nice 22 from Jalen. But outside of those three guys, you know, not a ton of contributions. Rob had 12 uh, and Dirk White had 11, but really not a lot of uh, significant contributions, especially not from Grant, who struggled a little bit as of late. Um, I'm not really super worried about the Patrick. I mean, I saw some people on Twitter, you know, they love to overreact. I saw some people, you know, saying, oh, this is a bad time for Grant's jump shot to go away. I think it's just a little slump. Uh, you know, I still believe in Grant's jump shot. I don't know about you. But I, I think uh, his first 60-game sample at 44% was enough to convince me he, he's he got a jumper. I think there was, like, some, some leveling out with that to kind of come, right? And it was like he was so great in those 60 games that like maybe there's going to be a little like, hey, he has a little slump to kind of bring him back down to earth. But I do think that some of it is real. Like I don't think he's a 44% three-pusher, but maybe he is like a, a 37, 38 guy um, when, he's, when he really takes smart 
selective three point shots. So maybe this was a scenario that the Celtics, you know, are able to, you know, hopefully learn to win without him with his shot not being on, still being in games. Find those guys who have the opportunity now to step up. You need the Peyton Pritchards now. You need Derek White to, to start stepping up. You need Marcus Smart to start scoring in a little bit more. Al Horford's been pretty good as well as far as stepping up as far as things. I know he didn't play well in the Detroit game because he had six points and seven rebounds, but uh, Al Horford was really great the Mavs game. You know, he came out with a lot more energy and stuff like that. But uh, I think that the Celtics are are going to be fine as far as production goes from their main guys that are in the rotation. And I think Grant is very much so a pretty good shooter. I think he's really did improve in that. Just like I'm not really worried about Jalen Brown right now. You know, he's coming back from that ankle injury. Another game doesn't play very well. Eight of 22 from the field, one of eight from deep. Still had 22 points, eight rebounds, four assists. Came out, trade, play as best as can. And I'm just not worried at this point. Unless it, it really feels like this team is almost just kind of coasting a little bit right now. They're just trying to like coast their way, kind of reserve their energy. So uh, hopefully we win some tough games here down the stretch and then put us in position for a good playoff. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not really too worried about anyone, like you said, in the rotation. Um, If there, I think, is one significant area for improvement inside the rotation, I would just say it's Derek White probably making a few more threes than he currently is making. He's shooting about a 25% clip. But, Patrick, I think we've kind of said this enough. Um, Even though Derek White does need to make more more of his threes, like full stop needs to be better than 25% shooter. I don't think that's saying too much. You know, it's not like I think, Ooh, we should not have traded Derek white or anything like that. Like Derek white is still better at pretty much everything. Um, than Josh Richardson was no disrespect to Jay rich, but you know, it was upgrading a lot of facets in the game minus shooting. And uh, I do think Josh Richardson shooting was not necessarily that sustainable. So it's not really like we lost, absolutely knocked down 40% shooter like uh, the defense is going to have to commit a ton of attention to for a guy who's an absolute non-shooter. Like, even though the discrepancy, obviously, 15%, 40 to 25 seems, like, devastating, I feel like it doesn't feel as devastating, Patrick, as maybe it might seem. Yeah, I, I don't think it's as devastating as it, it may seem and people might be overacting, but but that's okay. Like, this team is, is going to level itself out and really on t- on. The side that really matters, as long as they stay locked in defensively the way they have been this season, I think that gives them the best chance to win these games. Keeps them in every game, and when those shots are falling, it makes us very, very hard to beat. When you have an elite defense like that, though, you're going to create opportunities that are easier for yourself, and you're also just going to have an opportunity to always win games when you're able to keep the opponents under such a low score. So the struggles might happen here and there, but the defense is so good, it almost makes up for it a lot of times. And I know it bit us a little bit in the Dallas game because our offense just didn't come around enough. But, like, we still had a chance in that game where we were really not really good offensively. Yeah, I don't think yeah, – exactly. I don't think the Celtics played particularly well offensively in that game. And they probably could have played a little better defensively too. I mean, I know it's hard. Smart had a phenomenal defensive game. It's not like the Celtics were bad defensively by any stretch, but I do think there was a couple – you know, moments in which they probably could have played better down the stretch of the game that really cost them as far as closing out to shooters. You know, DFS, Dorian Finney-Smith hit a lot of open threes. Um, and then obviously that last play, Dinwiddie, the defense just straight collapsed on Luka maybe a little harder than they needed to, but it's not something I'm really going to get on the guys for given, A, the caliber of player Luka is, and B, the fact this guy Luka hit a buzzer beater against us last time. So not going to get on the guys too hard for that. I do... Um, want to acknowledge though in the Pistons game 
that at halftime, you know, some legends were um, honored with the 75th anniversary jersey. Um, RIP Reggie Lewis, you know, Red Auerbach, Jojo White. Um, a lot of those guys were honored, as well as Pistons player Kelly Olynyk. I just thought it was funny. There was uh, some Celtics, some classic Celtics players, Posey, Baby, The Truth, um, Dana Barros. Um, we're all lined up, you know, and then Kelly Olenek as well. I thought it was kind of funny that they snuck Kelly in there because he was in the arena that day. So just wanted to bring that up because it was like Celtics legends and Kelly Olenek, who was forever a Celtics legend <laughs> for that game seven. <laughs> when he turned into the reincarnation of Larry Bird, man, Dude. you know, we got, we got to respect Kelly O. Kelly O, man. Yeah, Love just Kelly go o. back and watch those highlights. Just to, to anybody who, you know, hasn't seen it in a while. This guy had a ridiculous game in Game 7. Did propel us to the... Oh, he uh, turned into Steph. He was a seven-footer Steph Curry. <laughs> this guy, the guy was <laughs> what he turned into. that game. Yeah, so shout-out to Kelly Omang. Really solid player, and I'm sure the Pistons really like uh, having him around. But I don't know what else you got in the Pistons game. If you got anything in particular? Nah, man, I'm, I'm ready to jump into this Mavericks game and... And I think uh, we're pretty excited to cover some some of the things that happened this game, despite the offense. And obviously, it's the Kevin Garnett jersey retirement night ceremony, so you love that as well. But man, there was a there was a play by Jalen Brown, you know, on his bad ankle. You know, he was. Whew, Lucas, I'll let you. I'll let you take it away. I mean. So the place, the garden absolutely erupted during the play Patrick is talking about. So obviously Patrick is talking about the play where Ta- or, uh, Jalen is ball handling at the top of the key, kind of splits the two defenders, brings it down the lane, jumps and absolutely detonates on Maxi Kleba, daps up KG after, gets back on defense, they get a stop, and then Jason hits a three. I mean, the place was absolutely going bonkers. And Patrick, that is in the conversation for dunk of the year. I have not seen... Jalen boom on anyone like that in a while. Maybe the Miles Bridges dunk, but this one was, I think, even on a different level, man. He absolutely boomed on Cleveland. Yeah, you know when they tell you that you go to, like, the second floor on guys? I feel like Jalen Brown went to the fifth floor on Keebler and just was like, you know what? I'm just going to finish this. And I think the specialist moment about that was him dabbing up KG right after. And you saw the reactions. You know, Ray Allen stood up and just did, like, a golf clap for him. And I think that was just so Ray Allen type of thing because, like, Ray Allen threw some nasty dunks back in his day. So he knows a thing or two about some some nasty dunks. Paul Pierce was definitely pretty excited for, for that dunk. He was he was about a seat yelling and was, like, going crazy. And then KG's, you know, slapping Jalen Brown's hand, giving him, like, yeah, man, that's stamp of approval right there. Thought that was just a, a wonderful uh, moment there just for the Celtics wanted to kind of get the building. The building was erupted after that. And I know you were there in person, Lucas, but that building, even on like television, was like erupting and just going crazy. And then you just see all the energy. You're like, man, dude, this this team just got everybody in that building just to like lift up. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, being there was crazy. I was trying to keep it together. Um, the place just absolutely went berserk. Like I said, I have not seen Jalen boom on someone like that in a minute. I mean, I, the the Miles Bridges dunk I think was in a little bit of a different scenario, given it was on the fast break. 
this was in the half court kind of semi transition. I would say like they just gotten into the half court offense and Jalen splits the defense. Like I said, and drives down the middle, maybe took an extra step, but that's really beside the point. Honestly, we're just here to talk about the poster itself. And that was absolutely ridiculous. Um, That was probably the highlight of the game right there. And arguably the high point of the game. I mean, obviously, as we know, the Celtics, struggled on Paul Pierce's jersey retirement. Once again, they have a rough night on KG's jersey retirement. Um, I mean, the game was quite close throughout. Um, No team really, you know, was running away with it at all. We really shut down Dallas in that first half offensively. I mean, we weren't great offensively, but we managed 47 points to Dallas's 38 in the first half. And then Dallas ends up matching their first half total in the third quarter, scoring 38 points in that third quarter in large part due to uh, some shooting from guys like Spencer Dinwiddie and, like I mentioned earlier, Dorian Finney-Smith, who had, you know, close to his career high entirely in the second half. Yeah, that really was like the quarter of death for Boston. Like, just going to that third quarter, things just really fell apart. Like, they, they lost all defensive intensity that they had. And honestly, the offense wasn't great all night. They were really good on defense. Once again, you know, first quarter holding Mavericks to 18 points. Second quarter, they held them to 20 points. Fourth quarter, they held them to 19. So when you hold a team to under 20 points in two quarters and uh, 20 exactly in a, in a the third quarter, like you're not about, all right, cool. We, we held them to a 57 points in three quarters. But that 38-point third quarter in a game you lose by three, that's the difference maker. Like you have to learn to lock in defensively. They just play defense. They give up 30. 30 points in that quarter, you know, you win by by a good little margin there. Uh, Celtics ultimately fell apart. Mavericks kind of got it going, and it they never really looked back. It, it came down the wire at the end, but it kind of felt like the Mavericks were going to win that game in that fourth quarter. It, just because, you know, close games with the Mavericks, we have PTSD as uh, Celtics fans with all those Luka game winners that he seems to love to hit against us. But uh, it looks like we overreacted to it and let Spencer Dinwiddie get the – get the praise for the open three-pointer that he hit. Yeah. Um, and honestly, another really big shot that Dinwiddie hit down the stretch. So with about four minutes to go, um, the Celtics, four minutes and 15 seconds to go, Jalen had scored um, after that, what should have been a technical foul, Patrick. I don't know if you remember this. So Dallas got a delay of game warning early in the game. And then they threw the ball in the air after a foul and did not get a technical foul, which I think – was an egregious oversight by the referees. We've Patrick, how many times have we seen Tatum throw or bounce the ball and get instantly teed up? Multiple times. Um, numerous times. Exactly. Numerous so times. So the same thing happens. They throw the ball in the air, and the referees kind of didn't see it until after the fact, you know, when the ball was back down hitting the ground, and they kind of maybe felt that it was too late to make that call um, for a technical foul. I don't know. But either way, it was the second delay of game, so they should have shot a technical foul, but – after that, Jalen scores and puts the Celtics up five with four minutes to go. And honestly, I personally was like, okay, the Celtics kind of bounce back from the really you know rough times. They're going to uh, level out here, up five, a couple stops here, and the game is going to look a lot more winnable than maybe it did a few minutes ago. Well, Doncic hits uh, Dinwiddie on a cutting layup, gets fouled. Uh, Pritchard, I believe, tried to take a charge and ended up getting called for the block. And, yeah, his foot was in that restricted area, just barely his heel was. Mm-hmm. So then you get that. Um, 
you know, Dinwiddie makes the free throw. It's now a two-point game instead of a five-point game. Smart misses a three-pointer, and then Dinwiddie goes down and makes another three. So that's really nine points right there. If that's a charge, you wait, wipe away those three points. Smart misses three. That's another six. And then you come down. Finney Smith hits a three ball. That's a nine-point swing. Feels like in uh, in in about 30 seconds this all happened, and in about 45 seconds. So that kind of, you know, put the game right back in, uh, in, in, you know, into a neck and neck. Yeah, it was rough, man. It was very rough for, for the Celtics, uh, down the stretch. Uh, shout out to the Mavericks though. They really came out and played well enough to win this game. They weren't particularly great. I know Luca also twisted his ankle at some point, had to go out. So it wasn't like Luca, uh, was there the whole time. I don't even think Luca was a hundred percent down the stretch. I thought he, he looked a little slower, but still able to hit some shots. And, you know, best part about being a really good playmaker is that you can do a lot of good playmaking things, even with a, a bum ankle out there. So he was still pretty efficient player out there helping his team get to the victory. And that, that sums it up pretty much for me, uh, 95 to a 92 loss to the Dallas. Yeah, it was a rough ending, and I mean, the end of that game, so the challenge, like, three-pointer that Smart took, uh, where it appeared Luca got a piece of his hand after he released the shot, uh, was called a foul on the floor, overturned by the uh, referees after the coach's challenge, um, which was kind of rough. You know, I think that probably felt like it should have stood since he did get Smart's hand, and then after the jump ball, yeah. I mean, Patrick, could you have asked for a better shot uh, in that situation, really? No, probably not. Honestly, that was about as good as a look as we possibly could have hoped for, uh, given the situation. So, Yeah, it definitely was like the best so, excuse me, situation I thought possibly for them. But, yeah, he, what, we got some good looks out of it. I thought Tatum had a, had a good look there at the end of the game as well. Even be, like the one before the timeout, I thought he was going to hit that one when he called timeout. I was yeah, like, oh, my God. I would have been a little upset, but it was good to see. You know, he got another opportunity it just didn't fall. Celtics ended up dropping that game. But, you know, things happen. You know, we move on from this one. Not really too worried about nope. the losses as much right now. More so, like, let's lock in defensively and don't let another quarter like that. Exactly. That's more where my head is at as opposed to, you know, trying to panic about this one loss. But, uh, you know, shortly after the game, um, you know, about 20, 30 minutes after the game, the ceremony started. And honestly, I know it stinks the Celtics lost. You know, obviously you would have liked to win that game for KG, especially in, in a close, you know, nail-biting manner. But uh, the Garden kind of forgot pretty quickly because, listen, there's things more important than a single game. And one of those things is honoring a player like Kevin Garnett, who we just have to admit, you know, ended up changing the culture for the Celtics. I mean, that's what a lot of the ceremony was about. But the Celtics, you know, they hadn't won a championship in 20-odd years. They were not really the same dynasty that great team, the way of life that Red Auerbach coined them, like, wants to be. We're not a basketball team. We're a way of life. You know, that's what being a Celtic is. It seemed like they had kind of strayed from that early 2000s. You know, they were struggling. You know, Pierce was up and down, you know, with his mentality. Couldn't get along with some coaches, you know. The GM wasn't surrounding Pierce with adequate talent. Um, they made a lot of bad decisions, you know, with players such as Chauncey Billups, Joe Johnson. Um, and then, you know, that year before we traded for KG and Ray Allen, Patrick, it was 
they lost what 18 straight games. I mean, I watched every single game that season as a kid. That was one of the first seasons I was really either watching or listening to every game on the radio. And uh, and trading for KG literally seemed like it was unreal at that moment. Like it wasn't a real thing that could happen. But you know, shout out to Danny Ainge, man, who was in the building for the retirement. Brought KG in, brought Ray Allen in, helped change the culture, and, you know, obviously eventually being that one championship ring we've got to see since we've been alive, Pat. Who was the, the person that didn't uh, – wasn't able to make it to his ceremony that you would have liked to? Um, I would have liked to see Rondo there. Um, I was going to say Rondo for myself as well. So I just wanted to see if our head was in the same area. I get that he's working. He's got the you know, rehab and everything and – Things like that. I'm pretty sure he's rehabbing an injury. I could be wrong, but I think that's what he's doing. You know, he's working, man. He's rehabbing and he's still with the team. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I get why he wasn't there, but I would like to see him there, you know, especially given that Ray was in the building. I mean, that was the big thing for me here, obviously, besides honoring Kevin Garnett was the fact that Ray Allen was in the building. I don't know about you, but that definitely touched me in a way, you know, that I kind of wasn't expecting it, man. I mean, you know, watching them, especially as a kid, you know, being a 10-year-old, watching that team, you know, win the championship, you want to believe that those guys are all going to get along. And, you know, maybe it wasn't that way for a while, but it's definitely good to see, you know, them all back in good graces, man, because there's a lot – it's a lot more to life than basketball, you know. So uh, it was good to see those guys embrace, you know, that group hug, Patrick. I know that one definitely hit me right there. Man, that just made me feel like – like it, it, it reminded me of how old I am, but also made me relish on some of the times and be like, wow, like how lucky were we to see those three? And I, I think KG was absolutely right. And outside of those injuries, I think the Celtics ended up winning more than one championship. Maybe even, you know, you have that perk also incident in game seven. Like, whew, you're, you're talking about maybe possibly three, three like a three-peat. Those three could have definitely won a three-peat. And I think if they win a three-peat, Maybe a Ray Allen and Rondo get up in those rafters too, but I, I don't see a path for Ray Allen and Rondo to make it in those rafters as much as KG said that they were next. I, I just don't see the path. I think they didn't do just enough. KG and uh, Paul Pierce were the two best players, you know, on those on that championship team. One was anchoring the defense. The other one was clearly the offensive reliable juggernaut. Plus, Paul Pierce has been so loyal. And, and, you know, I think loyalty is, is kind of the thing that stopped Ray Allen from possibly getting in a banner on there, you know, like getting out his name in the rafters and seeing 20 retired for him just because you can't just go to the Miami Heat and win some rings and then be like, yeah, man, I'm back. It's all cool. Retire me here, you know. Like it's cool maybe between KG and also Paul Pierce. You know, they, I'm glad that that beef is squashed now. But also, like, I, I just don't see 20 making it in the rafters. Yeah, you know, I probably, you probably won't end up there. But honestly, you know, I don't really hold anything against Ray Allen. I don't know about you um, because especially if those guys who are on the team are holding it against Ray, who am I to hold it against Ray? And also, we just have to acknowledge that Ray sacrificed by far the most of any of those three superstars coming here. Um, you know, Ray was a bonafide star, man, 25 points per game. He could handle the rock. He could drive it. You know, and he really turned himself into an off-ball player, you know, an elite shooter. You know, he obviously still got his – don't get me wrong, but he definitely sacrificed the most, it felt like. So, shout out, Ray. Even though he left to Miami, obviously would have just rather had him stay. But, uh, you know, shout out, Ray, because we definitely do not get that title without him. But, uh, 
No, I mean, I just thought overall it was really uh, it was a really great ceremony. I thought the fans booing Isaiah Thomas when they put him on the Jumbotron, Pistons Isaiah Thomas, let me make that clear, was like a little hilarious bit. I thought Mike Gorman did a terrific job introducing people. I think uh, Pierce not having anything prepared at all was pretty hilarious, and, you know, he was able to speak just straight from the heart. Uh, it was good to see ba- Big Baby, James Posey, Eddie House, um, Leon Poe, Twan, you know, all those all those guys there. It was good to see them in the building, man, for real. Yeah, I also like the Brian Scalabrini uh, conversation with uh, KG, and then they talk about their arm wrestling battle for money and how Paul Pierce was the only person to really put his money on the KG, and it, it was just kind of a funny funny little thing that they had about him and Big Baby. and uh, shows how, like, great that team was really well gelled together. I just hope that this team that we have now is – is also like building some of these memories. Like uh, I really want Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown to look back. And if they win a championship and be like, wow, man, look at these moments we had together and blah, blah, you know, like, cause honestly, I think if they, they both stay long-term, there's, there's a path from to get their numbers retired. And I think Jason Tatum, a hundred percent way more likely than Jalen Brown. I will say that without a doubt. And I don't think that's a really of a big uh, observation, but I, th- I think we, we both can agree. Uh, I don't think there's any other person getting retired a number in Boston for a while unless uh, the name is Jason Tatum. Yeah, I mean, like you said, probably not for Rondo and Ray, but Jason Tatum, I think. See, the difference between Jason and Jalen is I think Jason is like pretty much a shoe-in, where Jalen, you know, they might have to, you know, rise to that championship level in order for him to potentially get his jersey in. But also if Jalen is here for 15 years and is doing this for 15 years or whatever – like, I think he's going to deserve that personally. I love Jalen, but uh, I think that Patrick, hopefully this really uh, motivates this team. Cause you know, in moments like this, when you're looking up into the rafters, watching them raise a number, you know, Rob is thinking, listen, I, what I, what if I can be like KG defensively for this team um, and get remembered as, you know, an all time great, that's a legitimate possibility. I mean, Rob's a young guy. He sticks around and just keeps improving. Obviously, I'm not saying he can be KG. Please, you know, don't think I'm saying that. But, you know, Rob tweeted in all caps after that ceremony, motivation. Like, if seeing a ceremony like that and right in front of you, because, I mean, I was there, and it was a very emotional thing, and the crowd was going crazy. And uh, to the degree where KG says, I know you effed with me, but I know you didn't – I didn't know you effed with me like that. So uh, that just really showed, you know, Boston, you know, the fans maybe overreact – and they're maybe overzealous at times, but if they're one thing, they are, they're passionate and they definitely love the people who, you know, give it their all for the city. So I think it's motivation, man. And uh, hopefully that'll like, you know, help the Celtics just continue on that right path um, and potentially see where they can end up. No, absolutely. And I think this ceremony was good for Jason Tatum, I think, can learn the most because like we said, we think he has the best route in possibly becoming a player that, that has his number retired in that rafter, right? Like seeing a ceremony like this, and this is a second time in his career, he's watched a ceremony in Boston. He saw the Paul Pierce ceremony as well. And now KG, and it was optional for the players to stick around and watch this to see Kevin Garnett be, you know, embraced and, and the legacy he put down and all it took for, for KG was, putting in hard work for a short amount of time and getting a chip, you know, like it's not, I wouldn't say that the bar is low, but I think it's more realistic 
significantly closer than people give it credit for to getting your number retired. You, I know winning a championship is not ever going to be something that's easy, but I feel like there's a lot of people who feel like, man, if you get re- your number retired, you're going to have to win multiple championships. Like, not. Nah, it, it's really like you bring one to the city and you give a, a solid seven years plus of your career. And during that time period, you're pretty elite on pretty good part of the, the team. And then you end up getting that championship. Like that's, that's your way in. So, and I, I think that also brings it to Jalen Brown, who sees it and goes, I can, I can get into, you know, getting my Jersey retired. If, if it really comes down to the, the ability to win a championship, you know, we talked, you, I know you mentioned it earlier, but like, yeah, Jalen, Jalen Brown could definitely make it in at it, but I think it is more reliant on that championship to where Jason Tatum, man, he hits that championship. It's like guaranteed. It's like, he goes from like, right now he's at like a 60% chance of being in his Jersey retired. Uh, a championship would just vault him into like nine. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think, uh, I think that I would uh, agree there. Like I said, you know, they kind of have to probably actualize their championship potential in order for Jalen to get his number retired. Whereas Tatum is going to be like more of a shoe in, but I'm excited to see what this team will do this year. Not only this year, but Patrick going forward. Cause the core is pretty locked in, you know, obviously they can make a couple moves and they probably should make a couple moves, but uh, smart is under team control. Rob is under team control. Um, Derek is under team control. Jalen has a couple more years. Tatum is obviously, you know, on that extension. So, you know, these guys are going to be here for a while. Hopefully we extend Grant. That's probably a move we got to do. Maybe Pritchard as well. But, you know, some, we can't keep the entire core around. Probably somebody's going to have to leave. Um, But uh, for now we have mostly the same five, six guys. So it's going to be exciting to see this team grow, not only this year in their first playoff run as like this version of the team but also going forward uh, you know in the summertime and you know yeah especially the summertime you know you want you want to make sure that uh you kind of get that momentum going in but you also you want to make sure that your beard looks very clean in the summertime you know because you'll be out in that sun you'll be socializing again as COVID's kind of coming out you know and, and mask mandates are getting lifted here you're going to want to make sure that you're looking good when you take that mask off and you're out in the summertime with your friends hanging out by the pool at you know beach or wherever you're at lake maybe and really enjoying that go ahead over to manscape and go ahead and use hoopball 20 to get 20 percent off some great items there that they have for you and keep that beard nice and fresh for the summertime Yes, sir. You're not going to be, you know, locked up, like Pat said, in a lot of these places. Definitely not in Boston anymore. Not going to be wearing any masks. Not going to be wearing any, you know, bandanas over your face. Nothing like that. So you can let the uh, facial hair shine. So like Pat said, you're going to want to keep that all cleaned up and everything. So go over to Manscaped Hoopball 20. Use your 20% off discount. And Patrick, we got a big game coming up on Wednesday, don't we? Yeah, well, the Warriors are coming, man. The Warriors game is coming, and Draymond be- Dr- uh, Draymond Green is back. He's back in the lineup. They played together with Trish, uh, Clay Thompson and Steph Curry and Draymond all touched the floor tonight for the first time in over three years. Three years, man. So they're going to be coming into this Celtic game. I think we could take advantage of maybe Draymond feeling a little rusty, see if we can get Tatum going early on, and I think this will be a big game for Jalen Brown. Yes, Jalen loves playing against the Raptors. We actually had a commenter mention down below that the moment he knew Jalen was for real is when uh, 
Jalen kind of locked up Siakam in that playoff series a couple of years ago. You know, hopefully we can do the same, limit their um, limit their offense. But uh, so I think I just got a little carried away with the Raptors talk. But uh, definitely this week coming up. Uh, well, hold on, Pat. Warriors, though. That, that Warriors, bro. Really yeah, your Warriors. Bro, that's how you know I just woke up. You're going to have to edit that out, honestly. Just uh, I got you. 124, about 30. I would just check in there um, to about 125. But uh, hold on. I'm going to start talking at 125. But, yeah, you know, I think Jalen definitely uh, he's going to have a big game against the Warriors, like you said. Maybe Draymond will be a little bit rusty coming back. Um, it's going to be crazy to see that duo, one of the greatest duos we've seen in modern history in the NBA. You know, Clay, Dre, and Steph. Steph had 46-7-7 seven, and seven tonight on his birthday. So hopefully he made all his three-pointers tonight on Monday night and doesn't have any left for the Wednesday game. I'm hoping that he uh, parties pretty hard, you know. <laughs> you know, go have yourself a good night. And then tomorrow you should party yourself up a little bit. Maybe feel a little hangover for Wednesday. That that's fine. You know, your your Steph Curry, you could play with a hangover, but we need you to to kind of chill out and give us a chance here. Uh, the Celtics are are definitely going to have their hands full when going against them. You know, there won't be any Andrew Wiggins though, who is still on their injury report, uh, not available. So the Celtics are going to be looking to take advantage of that. Not having him is going to be crucial. That's why I think Draymond will be focused on trying to keep, you know, Tatum in, in like some type of control. And I think that's going to be the opportunity for Jalen Brown. I know they have Clay Thompson, but we all know that he hasn't been as sharp on the defensive side and he's been kind of trying to find a shot a bit. So hopefully this isn't the game he finds that shot and he runs into one of the top defenses. Also people don't realize this is the top two defenses in the league on the year. So uh, I wouldn't be shocked if this game really is, is a bloodbath on the defensive side, but I think Steph's offense just kind of brings out a different level. And I, I like the matchup for each team. Like we, we really don't play the perimeter as well as we, we should. That's kind of our weak point on defense if we had one. And Steph Curry is going to definitely take advantage of that. And I, I think that the Celtics are a good matchup uh, against these these Warriors. And I think that we have the – type of players that make it hard to stop on the inside. They don't have that super big rim protector. I know they have Draymond, but Draymond can't stop a lot. Right, exactly. They got to attack downhill in this game for sure and kick to open shooters and actually make our open shots this game. Um, Like you said, you know, two best defensive teams in the league. This is definitely going to be a, a, a friggin' heavyweight haymaker type of battle. It feels like from the defensive end. And, um, you know, Patrick, I know you remember a few years ago, you remember that game where, uh, where Steph will kind of wave goodbye to Jalen Brown. You remember that? Yeah, I do. I do. Yes, I believe that Jalen Brown, you know, it seems like every time he plays the Warriors, shows up and has a pretty good game. So hopefully that trend, you know, I don't even know if the numbers would bear that out, but I know he's definitely had a few good games at least since that day. Um, so I really, you know, hope that happens again. Jalen kind of gets back in his rhythm. Grant hopefully makes a couple open threes. Same with Derek. You know, try to get everything a little bit going back on track. Maybe maybe take a little off Tatum's plate so Tatum doesn't have to go for 40. You know, the guys around him can kind of step up and, you know, help us get this victory on Wednesday night. Yeah, I'm excited to watch this uh, game on Wednesday night. Uh, Lucas and I will try to probably get into the podcast on Thursday. Um, but we will, we will definitely come to you uh, after that game, give you the breakdown as well from the Warriors game. But – 
other than that, man, uh, make sure you guys head over to Spotify, rate the show five stars. Make sure you guys head over to the Apple podcast as well. Five star uh, rating and a, a review. Just get, leave a comment, what you sure. think of the show, everything like that. If you have questions, go ahead and throw them in there. And you can also follow us on uh, Twitter as well, which is at uh, Ethos Celtics. And then you can also follow Lucas at Luca underscore Gainer and me at Ball and Opinions. Yes, sir. All right, we'll be probably back for another show, like Patrick said, Thursday night. Appreciate everybody who tunes in live on Spotify Green Room. Pre- uh, appreciate everybody who tunes in live. I mean, not live uh, from uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and such. Like Patrick said, throw us a rating if you can. Uh, and like uh, like we said, we'll see you on Thursday. Peace.